Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. The sermon topic that I have for you is Tact, My Covenant. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father and our God, we thank you again for the Holy Sabbath day. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to come again into your house of worship. As I stand before your people this morning, I ask, O oh Lord, that you'll hide me behind the cross. I ask that you'll touch me with live coals from on high. Help that the words that I will speak today will not be mine, but will be your words. I pray, O oh God, that as we uh, listen to this sermon today, as we listen to your words, that we'll be closer drawn to you and have that right relationship with you, that we'll, be, we'll endeavor to become better stewards of all the things that you have blessed us with. And in so doing, we can prepare ourselves to meet Jesus when he comes. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The word tact is defined as a keen sense of what to say or do to avoid giving offense. Tact is also defined as skill in dealing with difficult or delicate situations. A keen sense of what is appropriate, that's tact. We take a look at some of the synonyms of the word tact, adroitness and sensitivity in dealing with others or with difficult issues. What does tact have to do with stewardship? It is possible that we, uh, that we can make a connection by saying we need the requisite skills to deal with not necessarily difficult or delicate situations, but just dealing with the blessings that God has given to each of us. Today, I would like to examine tact as we look at some of the things that we have received from God. Not just things, but the blessings that God has bestowed on us. The word tact that I'm using today is really an acronym. And that acronym, we will examine some of the blessings that God has given to us. I heard you this morning talk about the four T's of stewardship. I think you talked about time, talent, treasure, and the fourth? What? Temple. Okay. So I've decided, not having had a chance to speak to you about this, to deal with two of the T's that you have talked about here. And we'll examine that uh, further. On Stewardship Day in our churches, in the Adventist churches, some of us cringe because they do not want, uh, they do not want, you don't want to hear about or do not like to hear about uh, returning a faithful tithe and giving a liberal offering to the Lord. Some say, not money again, not money, money, money again. If that is all you're thinking 
about stewardship, you are wrong. Stewardship is not just about money, but it concerns our total relationship with God. I'm here to tell you this morning that relationship, relationship, relationship with God is what stewardship is all about. As stewards, we are agents entrusted with the responsibility to care for what is entrusted to us. We are guardians and custodians of what God has given to us, and we must be excellent caretakers of the blessings. As excellent caretakers, we must use these blessings to honor and glory, to the honor and glory of God. In the parable of the talents, Christ is pointing out to us that we are all blessed with the gifts and talents from God. In the parable, one individual received five talents, one received two, and the third received one talent. The interesting thing about the verse uh, where uh, Jesus Christ speaks about the talent, he didn't end uh, there when he said the third individual got one talent. But in verse 15 he says, uh, to every man according to his several ability. This says to us that we each have different capabilities and God grants us blessings according to our various capabilities. So let us not just focus on the fact that one got five talents, one got two, one got one. Because I'm here to tell you today that there are others that might have gotten much more than five. And there are others that would have gotten much more than two. doesn't mean that we all are going to have five talents, two talents, or one talent. God is going to bless us according to our own abilities. Time will not allow me today to deal with or to discuss every blessing, every talent, or every good gift that God has given to each of us. But one thing I can assure you, God expects us to glorify him and advance his work on earth by using the gifts to his honor and glory. It is not about us. It is not about bragging rights about how many talents God has given to you or to me. What it is, is that we must know how to use those talents and use the blessings that God has given us to glorify him and to spread the good news of the gospel to all the world. Some people want to show off the latest acquisition, whether it be the acquisition of a new home, that new suit, new dress, the new watch, the new hat, whatever it might be, the new car. But I'm here to tell you today that whatever God has blessed you with, you must be thankful for it. And you must ensure that you use it to glorify him. Not to go bragging about what you have acquired. Because you cannot acquire it on your own. It's only because of the blessings of God. 
Nothing is wrong with acquiring things. But only through the blessing of God we are able to acquire these material things. And we must never lose sight of that. Only through God's grace, his kindness, his love, and his compassion can we receive the blessings that he showers upon us each day. As we receive and experience the love and kindness and blessings from God, it is incumbent on each of us to establish the right relationship with God. In the book, Christ Object Lessons, Ellen White tells us how we are to develop that right relationship and covenant with God. On page 327, she states that Christ's followers have been redeemed for service. Our Lord teaches that the true object of life is ministry. Christ himself was a worker, and to all his followers, he gives the law of service, service to God and to their fellow men. Here Christ has presented to the world a higher conception of life than they had ever known. By living to minister to others, man is brought into connection with Christ. The law of service becomes the connecting link which binds us to God and to our fellow men. So we see what she's saying here is that, <clears throat> that we are made for service. And if we're going to be good stewards, we are going to engage in service to God and to our fellow men. She continues to say to his servants, Christ commits his goods, something to be put to use for him. He gives to every man his work. Each has his place in the eternal plan of heaven. Each is to work in cooperation with Christ for the salvation of souls. So whatever it is that God has blessed you with, we must be using it for the salvation of souls. Whatever God has given to us, we must make sure that we can put it into service so that we can bring that lost soul to God. That's what stewardship is all about. Speaking about tact, my covenant, I said earlier, the TACT is an acronym that will, that, will assess, that will assist us today to explore how we can be good stewards and build that relationship with God. How can we covenant with God to take care of the blessings he has bestowed on, on us? The first letter of the word TACT, T, represents time that God has provided for us. Time that God has blessed us with. Oh yes, my friends, time is a blessing and we must use it wisely. As a good steward of time, God blesses us. <clears throat> uh, God blesses us 
with time and we must ensure that we use it wisely and not just wisely, but we must use it to honor and glorify God. In the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, the wise man tells us that to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. How should we spend our time? That's a question that we should ask ourselves this morning. How can we honor God with our time? For many of us, when the, the first thing that comes to mind is the Sabbath. Because that's one-seventh of our time that we're, we're, we're dedicating to God. Oh yes, I'm here to tell you today, it's very good. Uh, it's very good that as creatures of the Creator, that we rest on the Sabbath as He instructed us. We worship Him on the Sabbath day, acknowledging Jesus Christ and God as our Creator, our Savior, our Sustainer, our Provider, our Protector, and of course, our Eternal God. How wonderful it is for us to come into the house of God on the Sabbath. How wonderful it is for us when we see the sun setting on the western horizon on, on a Friday evening that we usher in the Sabbath day, the day of rest. The Sabbath is certainly an oasis in time when we can come apart and get that refreshing spirit. We can be rested, we can be renewed, and we can be rejuvenated spiritually. Oh yes, the Sabbath is a wonderful, it's a wonderful time that we can spend with God. And as good stewards, we're going to make sure that we honor God by worship, worshiping Him appropriately on the Sabbath day. That we keep the Sabbath day holy. Because when we do that, we are recognizing that He is our Creator and He is our Maker. It's what it tells us in the fourth commandment. That we are acknowledging God as our Creator. What else can we do on the Sabbath day? Not on the Sabbath day, but with our time, I should say. What other things can we do? We're expected, if we're going to have the right relationship with God is that we must study the Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, we're told that we must study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. So as a good steward of time, I'm going to ensure that I find time each day to study the Word of God. It is important for us to remain connected to God. And to remain connected with Him, we must know what is in His Word. We must study the Word for ourselves. We shouldn't just rely on coming to church on Sabbath to hear the preacher tell us what is in the Word. We must study it for ourselves. We must study it line upon line and precept upon precept so that we can get the knowledge of God. Another thing we ought to do 
with our time is to spend our time in prayer with God, praying to God. See, Jesus Christ left the example for us over in the book of Mark, chapter 6, reading verses 44, 45 through and 46. It says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he went, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. That tells me that Jesus Christ, even though he prayed with his disciples, he found a special time when he prayed by himself. So we each must endeavor to use our time to have that communion with God. And sometimes we want to have that communion with God all by ourselves. It's a wonderful thing for us to have family devotion, family worship. But we need that special time with God so we can talk to him. We can hear him talk back to us. Prayer, another thing we need to do with our time. It was a wonderful thing to hear the young lady uh, get up here this morning and talk about how they went to visit the sick and the shut-in. Another thing we can do with our time. Over in Matthew 4 and verse 23, it tells us that, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. Oh, it's a wonderful thing for us to spend our time with those of, uh, in our community, not necessarily only our members of our churches, of our church, but individuals in the, com- in the community who are sick and shut in and like to hear, uh, like to see someone come to visit them, someone come to give them an encouraging word, someone come in to tell them that Jesus loves them, that Jesus cares for them even though they might be laying on their bed of affliction. Another thing we can, we can do with our time. When we do that, we are doing what Jesus Christ did. We're, we, we, we're going out to visit the sick. And, we're, and we know that one, once we do that, we're building the right relationship with him so that when he comes, he can say, Come ye, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom that I have prepared for you. He's not going to turn you away saying, I was sick and you did not visit me. All right? He's not going to say, I was in prison and you didn't care about me. So we must spend our time with individuals who are downtrodden and individuals who are laid up and, 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 and just need to have that word, that encouraging word. That's what stewardship is all about. Peter and John follow the example of Jesus Christ by deciding uh, uh, to see to the needs, the needs of the sick. As they were going into the temple, they encountered the lame man who was there begging for money. He was begging for alms. But in, in the book of Acts, it tells us that, that Peter and John, they didn't just walk past the sick man. They didn't just walk past this lame man who was begging for money. It says, and Peter fastened his eyes upon him and John and said, look on us. It tells me that Peter and John took some time. 
they, 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 were, they, they were going into the temple to praise God. But they knew that it was important to take care of the needs of, of those that were downtrodden. And this man who was laying there for years was brought there by his family. He was downtrodden and he needed some time from, from them. And, and, and Peter and John knew that it was important for them to take the time to spend with this sick man. And we know the rest of the story that Peter was able to say, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. We have the power, friends. We just have to call on God because we can go in and encourage someone who is laying on their sick bed. Spend time with them. And I know God is going to bless you. We must also visit with the bereaved. Jesus Christ himself did that. He was out, he was out doing the will of his father. And of course the word came that Lazarus was gravely ill. And if he didn't get there, Lazarus would most likely die. We know that Jesus delayed his return. And Lazarus passed away, but Jesus still went. And he went to comfort Mary and Martha and the family. We have a responsibility, my friends, to comfort, to spend time comforting those who have lost loved ones. Spend time caring. Spend time giving that encouraging word. Spend time letting families know that they have to live the Christian life so that when they and their loved ones pass away, that they have the hope of glory. Spend time, my friends, caring. As we spend time caring for others and for... Uh, you know, their needs, we're also, uh, we're also taking care of this, our own spiritual well-being. So we must, we must, church, we must, we must do these things with our time. We can't be just, just selfish with our time. We must spend our time so that to the glory and honor of God. We must also spend time, my friends, taking care of me, some me time, right? You know, we can't, we can't just, uh, you know, spend time saying, well, okay, I'm taking care of everything for the church, but not spending time taking care of my own body. You know, you need to get out there, uh, you, you know, part of, Part of, um, uh, of being a good steward uh, means that you are going to take care of the body that God has given to you, right? So you need to get out there, make sure you're exercising, make sure that you're doing things to keep you healthy. Because the healthier you are, the better position you're going to be in to do the will of God. Amen. We must take care of our bodies. John 3 uh, uh, sorry, 3 John uh, 1, verse 2, or 3 John 2 says, uh, 
Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. So take care of yourselves, church, right? Make sure you spend some time taking care of this body that God has given to you. He only gave us one for this life, but he wants us to take care of it. Take care of it so we can honor and glorify him. I think I've said enough about time. Let me talk a little bit about the A intact, the assets that God has blessed us with. That A represents the physical assets that we're blessed with. God has given us specific instructions as to what, we, uh, what he requires of us. In Leviticus 27, in verse, uh, verses 30 through 34, you can turn there with me, the book of Le Leviticus. And I think it's the, <clears throat> the last chapter. Leviticus 27, and verse 30 says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. And if a man will at all redeem aught of his tithe, he shall add thereto the fifth part thereof. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. He shall not search whether it be good or bad, neither shall he change it. And if he change it at all, then both it and the change thereof shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. What is the Lord saying to us here in this text? Those are the instructions that were given to Moses to give to the children of Israel. What he's saying is this, church, is that God has blessed us with, 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 with assets, with money, with, uh, with, with, with increase. He expects that we are going to return a tenth to him. A tenth. All he's asking for is one-tenth. When you think about the time, he asks us for one-seventh of the week. But of the things that he's giving us, the money he's putting in our pockets, the houses and lands that he's given, he says, all I want, just give me a tenth back. And that is, and, and, and he wants it because he wants us to develop the right relationship with him. If we cannot return a tenth to the Lord, then we're allowing selfishness to take a hold of us. He wants us to develop that right relationship with us. See, it's so important that what the Lord said to Israel and he's saying to us is that if we do not return a faithful tithe, then we are expected to make good by returning that tithe and also adding to that another tithe. So, what do you want to do? Do you want to give the Lord just the tenth that he's asking for? Or do you want to now do what, go against what he's telling us to do, and then having to add another 
The Lord has blessed us, church, and we must take care of giving back to him what he has asked us to give to him. Over in Malachi chapter 3, we all know this. We talk about it, bringing all the tithes into the storehouse, that it may be meat in mine house. But you know what? I'd like us to go to the verse below. Uh, uh, I'm, in the wrong, I'm in the wrong place here. Malachi chapter 3. Okay. I want us to take a look at verses uh, 11, 11 and 12. And it says, I will rebuke the devourers for your sake. And this is what God is promising to do for us if we return to him uh, an honest tithe. I will rebuke the devourers for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. When we develop the correct relationship with God as relates to our assets, our money, the things that, uh, <clears throat> that he has given to us for us to take care of, we will receive that blessing that is promised to us in Malachi 3 and verse 11, where he says, I will rebuke the devourers for your sake. And what does he mean by rebuking the devourers for your sake? It means that when you go out and you buy those tires and put on your car, and they tell you that it's good for 45,000 miles, you're still going to be driving on it at 60,000 miles. And the guys in the service department are going to say, well, how can this be possible? When he rebukes the devourers for our sake, the school fee that is due, and you don't know where it's coming from, somehow, somehow, somewhere, Somebody is going to be sending you a check in the mail. Somebody who you loaned some money to years ago and you forgot about it. Somebody who you did a, a, a deed for is going to send you that check. When that mortgage payment is due and you don't know where it's going to come from, somehow God is going to find a way and he's going to put some meal in the barrel so you can pay that mortgage. When you have that leaky roof, the car needs repair. Somehow, God is going to find a way. You know, I have a friend of mine who uh, <clears throat> told me this story, uh, how her car was not functioning right. And uh, just going about 25 miles an hour on the highway. And people were just honking at her. And <clears throat> she was more concerned about having funds to pay for her son's uh, school fees. He has his last semester in university. But somehow she said she called her mechanic, and he said, bring it over. She took the car over, and she got out. Mechanic went, opened up the hood, uh, 
and and did something on her there, came into the car and tell her to sit in the car, started the car up, and the car took off like a jet. So she said, what did you do, Charles? Charles said, all I did was remove the rug from under the accelerator pedal. Now, you know, she said she can't believe that that was all that was wrong. She says, I thank my Jesus because the way that car was behaving, something else had to be wrong. But she said she trusts in God and she knows that God somehow delivered her. One friend said, you know, it had to have been something else. But God knows that that mechanic, he couldn't deal with the something else. Whatever it was, my friend, just trust God. Do what he tells us to do, and he's going to deliver you. Oh, on the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Jesus Christ tells the listeners there, the hearers, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but we must store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt. Because if we only store up treasures on earth, you know, thieves are going to come in and steal. Moth and rust and all that is going to corrupt it. But we must store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. So my friends, let us return to God a faithful tithe and a, and a, and a free will offering. And I know he will take care of us. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31 33 through 33, it tells us, don't worry about, uh, <clears throat> don't worry about what's happening in this world. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So my friends, develop, the, develop that right relationship by doing the right thing, by giving God back what he asks us for. And remember, God doesn't need our money, but he needs us to develop that right relationship with him. The, the sea intact refers to the children and the grandchildren that God has blessed us with. In Psalm 127 and verse 3, we're told, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Heritage, my friend, is a gift from God. And of course, that gift that he has given to us, over in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, he tells us, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. I'm here to tell you today, church, that you may not have given birth, or your spouse may not have given birth to a child. But once you come into the house of God, and there are children in the house of God, those children are, uh, you are stewards of those children also. And I know sometimes parents, we don't like other individuals to talk to our children. But I'm telling you that if you're going to be a good steward of your children, you're going to ensure that they do the right thing 
And it doesn't matter who tells them to do the right thing. You're going to ensure that they listen. Right? They must, they must listen. And, and parents, don't be so concerned about someone else correcting your child. What you must be concerned about is that they are doing the will of God. All right? What are our responsibilities for our children? What does God expect of us as stewards? What does God expect of us of the tender lives he has placed in our custody? We must love them and we must nurture them. As Christians, and I think most of us are individuals from the Caribbean, we often focus on the whole idea that we should not spear the rod and spoil the child. But I'm here to tell you today that even though that is true, that is correct, we must, we must be judicious in the way we administer the rod, yes. And, yeah, someone says, especially in this country, right? <laughs> but that's true. But I'm telling you that there are a lot of us who grew up in the islands that we can say, thank God, maybe that we grew up there. Because the rod of correction kept us on the straight and narrow. And I know I used, I, 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 of course, I got it from my mother, from my grandmother, from my aunt. But I can tell you that in all of that, they did show me love. They did show love. I'm happy, oh church, that I serve a God that extends grace and mercy to me each day. And we must also extend grace and mercy to our children. Where would I be today? Where would you be today without the grace and mercy of God? Jesus, uh, <coughs> as Jesus Christ places his loving arms around us, we must place our loving arms around our children. We must not just focus on correcting them, but we must focus on showing them love. And men, especially West Indian men, especially a Jamaican men, I'm here to tell you that it is okay for you to put your arms around your sons and to hug them and to tell them you love them. There's nothing sissy about that. My God is a loving God. My Jesus is a loving Jesus. And I thank him for putting his arms around me. And as fathers, we must put our loving arms around our children, boys and girls alike, because they, we, we are the stewards of these children. And we must love them. We must show them love so that they can develop love and kindness in their hearts. What is important, <clears throat> my friends, is to lay our children on the altar of sacrifice each day. In Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 25, 
we have this wonderful promise that God has given us. A wonderful promise. <clears throat> he says, But thus saith the Lord, Even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey <clears throat> of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contendeth with thee, and I will save thy children. Parents, church members, we are stewards of the little flock God has given to us. So let us nurture them so that they can develop into the heritage that continues to serve God and to take the good news of the gospel to all the world. The final T intact deals with <clears throat> the talents. The talents that God has blessed us with. The, the talents or gifts that we receive from God are to be used for his glory. We receive these gifts <clears throat> through the power of the Holy Spirit. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit we get these talents. And again, in Christ Object Lessons, Sister White says, the talents that Christ entrusts to his church represent especially the gifts and blessings imparted by the Holy Spirit. All men <clears throat> do not receive the same gifts, but to every servant of the Master, some gift of the Spirit is promised. Sister White as she continues to write, refers to <clears> the <throat> uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 11, and says, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> she says, to one <clears throat> is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge. By the same Spirit, <clears throat> To another, faith by the same Spirit. <clears throat> to another, the gift of healing. Excuse me. <clears throat> the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, <clears throat> the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of of tongues, but all these worketh that one and the same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. So the point here is this, is that God, through the Holy Spirit, will give us, each of us, different talents. And as he gives us these different talents, we must know how to use them for the glory of God. In the parable of the talents, <clears throat> Not every person received the same amount of gifts or talents. But the expectation was that the talents would be put to good use until the master returned. The same is expected of us today. Sister White continues in Christ's Object Lessons to say, The special gifts of the Spirit are not the only talents represented in the parable. It includes all gifts and endowments, whether original or acquired, natural or spiritual, all are to be employed in the service of Christ. And 
I don't know if uh, when she says it includes all gifts and endowments, whether original or acquired. Now, I see Brother Fox here. He's playing, right? And God has given him a talent. I don't know if it was acquired. I don't know if it was original. I don't know what it is, but it seems as if it, whenever I see him in church, he's always playing on an instrument, giving glory to God. What is the talent that God has given you? Are you using it to the honor and glory of God? If you can open your mouth, if you can speak, you can give a Bible study. You can use the talent of speech just to honor and glorify God. Sister Pamela this morning or today, she used her talent of singing to give glory to God. Not all of us are blessed like that. But whatever God has blessed you with, we must be good stewards and use those talents to the honor and glory of God. If we go back and we take a look at the, at the scripture lesson for today. The scripture lesson for today, chap, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 25. And it says in verse 21, And the Lord said unto, uh, unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. That's what we should be looking for, church. That we use the talents that God gives us so that we can get that well done, the good and faithful servant. Because if we don't get that well done, we go down to verse uh, 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 28. It says, Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. So the one who got one talent and went and buried it, the Lord said to him, go take the talent from him and you give it to this hard worker over here. You give it to the individual who wants to do my will. All right? It says, for everyone that hath shall be given and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. My friends, I'm here to tell you that if we're not good stewards of what God has given to us, what he's going to take away from us is life eternal. Because we would not have worked hard enough to earn it. And I'm not here to tell you that we're going to be saved by our works. But I'm going to tell you that by our fruits, we will be known. Amen. Okay? Goes on to say, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you want to be among those who will be weeping and gnashing of experience? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you don't want to be among them, then you're going to be good stewards. You're going to employ the tact that you've heard about here today. Because that is a covenant that you have with God to take care of what he has given to us. And I know that once we take care of what he has given to us, he has promised that he's going to take care of us. And, and on that great day when Jesus comes, we can hear the well done 
thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. May the good Lord bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.